and one of them isn't here. It's Ray for WTR Sports Talk with Robbie Z and Sean right here on a Tuesday morning. Let's go. morning everybody we're back here as usual on tuesday mornings here at wtbr sports talk good morning robbie zucker with you again on this beautiful gorgeous well i guess pre-fall day you can still call it summertime i guess although technically right it's uh, summertime's gone but uh, i felt a little chilly this morning but i'm doing okay so everybody i hope you had a great weekend i did it was a lot of fun a lot of nfl a lot of baseball going on we'll talk about that we'll cover that hopefully we'll hear from my buddy ralph romeo down in uh, New York City, and uh, he'll actually he's in Jersey right now, been living there. But uh, you know, when I think of Ralph, I think of New York. I think of New York City, you know, and all the great things in New York. So we'll have Ralphie on after, and hopefully, I'll get a call from Sean. He's in uh, Saratoga this week. It was his birthday yesterday, so. Happy birthday, Sean. I want to wish a happy birthday to my bass player, uh, Mark Lacey. In fact, I, for those of you who don't, don't <laughs> excuse me, let me get that out a little quicker. For those of you who don't know, um, I play in a band called HB Funk or Horns B Funk, and uh, that band uh, right now we're sort of back together, I guess you could say. You know, we are, we've been rehearsing. And, uh, but anyway, so I wanted to wish Mark a happy birthday. So this morning was crazy, man, trying to get a... <laughs> A bagel, a Dunkin' Donuts, serves me right. Go in and find a bagel. I should be eating healthier. Ralph, Ralph is going to call up and say, what are you eating bagels for? So I wanted to go get a bagel. I don't even drink coffee. I want to get a bagel and an orange juice. One Dunkin' Donuts place is crowded. It looks like Woodstock there. They won't let anybody in, so it's like a car line that's ridiculous. It looks like, you know, just an insane amount of people. I'm like, okay, the heck with that one. So now I'm going, okay, let's go to another one. So I drive down the street to the other Dunkin' Donuts, and that place is packed. And I'm like, I don't want to sit online. So I went to the convenience store, got myself a blueberry muffin, an orange juice, and a banana, <laughs> and a New York Post. I can't believe what it costs now for a New York Post. It was a like 25 cents when I was a kid. Now it's $2. So a New York Post, a banana, a blueberry muffin, and an orange juice. So that was my breakfast this morning. And uh, I guess a little bit healthier with the fruit than it was, I guess, for uh, another bagel. So, but uh, what are you going to do? So today is also the holiday of Sukkot, which is actually the holiday where we build the tabernacles or we build the, um, the huts and we build a sukkah. And for a week, uh, some families sleep in there, and some families eat in there, and it's a lot of fun. So, so that's the week of uh, this week, actually. So it started last night. So, uh, 
So happy Sukkot for all my people who are celebrating out there. So let's get right to it. All right, let's start with the National Football League. All right, let's start with the NFL. Let's go back to Thursday night. You know, you got to be a masochist now to be a Giant fan. And it's unbelievable. This is the fifth year in a row that this organization has started the season 0-2. So let's go back and look at this game for a moment, shall we? All right, Daniel Jones. Pretty good game, right? Not bad, right? 102 quarterback rating, threw for 249 yards. Um, Took some points off the board because of dumb penalties. So Daniel Jones has a pretty good game. Everybody's getting on Daniel Jones. What about Daniel Jones? Is this is Daniel Jones, you know, third year? What's he going to do? Is this going to be the year that he becomes the player that Dave Gilliman thought he was going to be? Well, you know what? Thursday night, Daniel Jones was pretty good. Not great. Overthrew Slayton, but he still has got to catch that ball. I mean, we'll talk about it in a second. I mean, if you're an NFL receiver, you got to catch that. But Daniel Jones, a pretty good game. This loss was not, okay, it was absolutely not on Daniel Jones or the offense of the New York Giants. Because I thought Garrett, you know, managed and called a pretty good game. For the most part, we'll talk about the end of the game and clock management and so forth. And Joe Judge, who I think is another Belichick disciple who I don't think is a great coach. So we'll see, we'll see you know, what happens with him. But we'll talk about that more often. But this game was lost because the Giants' defense stinks. It stinks. It stinks to... <laughs> I mean, it was so bad. I mean, I'm screaming at, at Patrick Graham and going, could you please blitz? Can we please see a corner blitz, a safety blitz? The same thing over and over and over. A zone defense dropping back in the umbrella like 50 yards down the field, and here's Washington throwing everything underneath. It was just absolutely ridiculous. The defense was an abomination. And by the way, they did actually go out and sign a guy to a major contract, Leonard Williams. I did not hear your name the whole stinking night, Leonard. So you got your contract now, Leonard. Please show up on the field. Thank you very much. One sack by rookie Aziz Ajalari, who they drafted, who I was very happy about. So Aziz has the sack. The rest of the night, they made Tyler Heineke look like the second coming of Roger Staubach. What's going on here, Patrick Graham? What kind of game plan is this? This was absolute garbage. It was pure garbage from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And you knew, you knew when Washington got the ball back at the end of the game, they were going down the field. How many times have we seen this garbage from the New York Giants? Get off the field. Last week, the same thing. I was talking to Sean about the same thing. Get off the field. It's like they, it's like, they like being on the field. It's like, guys, you know, I really don't want to go off the field now. I mean, they don't get off the field. That's the problem with this team. And... It makes me so mad because the offense gave you a good game. Basically, they scored 40 points. Now, some of them came back after penalties. And we'll talk about the penalties. 11 penalties that night, including the most ridiculous penalties. They're driving the ball. They have a third down and five. They have a chance to get a bigger lead. And Nate Salder, who's been just a disaster for the, for the Giants, false start. So now it's third and ten. Next play, the great Andrew Thomas, the great uh, offensive lineman that uh, Dave Gittleman thought was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Okay, offsides again. Third and 15. Can't do anything. Have to have Graham Gano come in and kick a 90-yard field goal. That's the ultimate weapon on the Giants now. It's Graham Gano. Graham Gano for 55. Graham Gano for 52. I mean, this is what the Giants are. The Giants are not the greatest team. We know that. We know that they have issues on the offensive line. But their defense stunk, all right? For the most part, the line blocked. I mean, the line blocked pretty well for the pass. For the run, it's a disaster. 
and Saquon Barkley all the money that this guy's going to ask for next year, I'm sorry, okay? Except for a 45-yard run, which was a great run, on a draw play, which I wish the Giants would call more of. <sighs> 13 carries for 52 yards, okay? 13 carries for 52 yards. And in the most important part of the game, where the Giants had a chance after a great interception, they get the ball on the Washington 20-yard line with a chance to basically win the game. I'm not going to get on Garrett for running the football. What I will get on him for is who ran the football. Barkley for one. Second down. Barkley for two. Jason Garrett, can you get it through your thick Princeton skull? Okay, can you get it through your head? All right, that Barkley was not going to be able to run up the middle. But what happens? He throws the ball incomplete. What does it do? It stops the clock, and Washington is not forced to take their timeout. Dumb. Completely dumb decision. If you're going to run it on first down, and you're going to run it on second down, and you're going to be conservative, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with it because it's all about clock, and it's all about forcing timeouts from Washington. But you could have faked the ball to Barkley and ran any kind of bootleg with Daniel Jones to the outside, and he's either in the end zone or he gets the first down. All you need to do is go 10 yards in three plays, and he couldn't even get 10 yards. So what happens? Graham Gano kicks another field goal, and then the ultimate blunder of the night. Ladies and gentlemen, Dexter Lawrence takes the cake for the stupid play of the year for the New York Giants. The guy misses a 48-yard field goal, and I'm jumping up and down and going, well, they actually won this game even though they really deserve to win this game. Offsides on Dexter Lawrence. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, I sat there and I just threw everything across my room that was actually not fragile. I'm like, this is insane. I cannot believe. How stupid can you be? This is supposed to be a guy who's a coach, who's a special teams coach, and the special teams stink. They can't run the ball back on returns, and they can't even stay on sides for an attempt of the game-winning field goal. So Dexter Lawrence gets the ultimate dunce cap for this particular game the other night. Let's talk about Joe Judge for a moment. Joe Judge, way to go, Joe. Joe Judge, to me, clock management problems. And Joe, how about going for it on fourth down once in a while instead of having Graham Gano come out and kick a 90-yard field goal attempt? How about just actually going on third down and four? You know, making an attempt to be a little bit more aggressive than you actually are. And, I mean, here the Giants have to burn a timeout because they have 12 men on the field. This is supposed to be Mr. Disciplinarian. I'm the disciplinarian. I make guys do laps. This is BS. Come on. This is BS. 11 penalties. Joe, what are you doing, Joe? So I look at the Giants now. This is the fifth year in a row that the New York Giants have started 0-2. And they could have beaten Denver, which they played lousy. And they should have won this game. Okay, they should have won the game. So now they're 0-2 for the fifth year in a row. And I'm telling you right now, you could talk about Gettleman, who's a complete idiot. You can talk about Joe Judge, who I don't think is a great NFL head coach. Okay, you can talk about Garrett and Patrick Graham's lousy game plan for defense. It comes down to one thing with this organization and one thing only. It is John Mara's team. And John Mara has not done a good job over the last 10 years at hiring personnel. He's done a lousy job. All of a sudden... It's returned to my childhood days of the 1970s when the Giants basically sucked, okay? This is what it is. And year after year after year, John Mara becomes more completely just, he's just lost his ability to hire anybody. 
And you can look at Daniel Snyder. You can look at Robert Sterling, the former owner of the Clippers. You can look at a lot of different ownerships, okay? Look at the Mets for a long time, okay? You can look at all these organizations, all right? But it's about the decision-making at the top of the organization. I run a business. If I hire somebody who's incompetent and my salesmen are incompetent, the organization's going to be incompetent because I'm the one who hired them. So this is the problem for me. It is about John Mayer's inability to go out and hire executives that can do the job. And Dave Gettleman has been awful. Dave, here's the key to winning football, okay, Dave? Here's the key, Dave. You have to have an offensive line, and you have to have a defensive line. If your offensive line stinks and your defensive line stinks, you're not going to win a lot of football games. That's basically the key for this. <laughs> and that's it. 445 4, 445 4234 to dial in here at WTBR Sports Talk at 89.7. Well, I actually take a breath here, 13 after 10. But I mean, every year it's the same garbage. And you know, we knew the Jets were in a situation where it's a young quarterback. And we'll talk about the Jets for a second in a moment. But I mean, you know, Daniel Jones had a really good game. This is not the fault of Daniel Jones. So, Giant fans, stop getting on Daniel Jones. Get on the defense that's supposed to be the strength of the team. Patrick Graham coached. One of the worst defensive games I have ever seen in my life. How'd you like the play where they score, and in two plays, Washington gets down the field and scores? That was brilliant, huh? Who was writing up that defensive scheme? <laughs> you know? Who was writing that up? I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous to watch this team. Anyway, 413-445. Say that really quick. 413-445-4234. Hey, guys, can we change the number in here to, like, 445-2000 or something? Make it just easy to say. <laughs> Like when I was in school and they were doing voice and articulation, they used to say, Nancy handed the man the candy. So, uh, but uh, yeah, try to get yourself into Dunkin' Donuts in the morning. Forget it. It's not happening. So uh, the wreckage of Jeeps along the Dunkin' Donuts trail this morning. Oh, my goodness gracious. So anyway, 413-445-4234 right here in 88.7 FM WTBR. And if you haven't come down to WTBR, let me tell you something. Great station, great people, awesome in, you know, in-house studio, great facilities, great production studios. Just a beautiful place down here. So if you come down here, come visit, come say hi. And uh, as always, you can always donate. You can always go on the WTBR website. Got a great website and many, many different types of shows here. I think there's 24 different shows, I guess, according to what I was told. I think programming told me that. And if, if Sean, I'm, if I'm wrong, come and correct me, okay? <laughs> so anyway... Um, just want to let you know that we're going to discuss the Jets for a moment. I'm just taking a little time just to catch my breath from the giant debacle about the Jets yesterday. Look, with the Jets, Zach Wilson, four interceptions. I'm not going to fault him on two of them, okay? But this is a year for the Jets where basically you just want to see the kid develop. You want to see the kid play. The kid getting booed off the field? Come on, guys. Come on, you're booing the kids the second game in the National Football League. And I will say this about Zach Wilson. He stood up for it. He said, we stunk. I should have been booed. I'm just paraphrasing. But they basically said, I got booed. And, uh, and he said, I should have been booed. So good for him. The kid's a stand-up kid. I like the kid's got a fantastic release. And if they add pieces around him, I think he's going to be a really good player. Up. Oh, looks like we have a phone call. So right now, without further ado, I'll take a phone call right here. All right, caller, you're on the air. WTBR Sports Talk. Who am I speaking with? What's happening? Ralphie boy, how are you, my friend? What's going on? Do I sound oh, okay? A little well, pumped doing up? Well, you're not doing too well. You're having a coronary here. <laughs> take, take it easy because, because that team is going to frustrate you for the whole winter, and then you'll have to, God knows what you do for a rehab because you're going, you, may, you, you may see your baseball team doing something important, yeah. but not your football team. <laughs> 
Well, you know what? I'll tell you honestly. I mean, I, Wellington Mara is rolling over in his grave watching this thing. I tell you, <laughs> it's just a bad team. I mean, it's all there's to it. I mean, they made Heineke look like, I swear to God, they made him look like Tom Brady the other night. I mean, anytime I looked at the at the offensive, the offensive line, there was not one blue shirt in front of me. All you saw was white shirts. I mean, Heineke's uniform looked like he just put it on before the game. And it was just ridiculous. That, that team. Oh, you, you, well, you're so right about Daniel Jones. Serviceable, maybe even a, a, a good NFL quarterback, he's a fine – I mean, he's got a lot of tools. And I, I hear the calls on um, a rival station come down on him, you know, with a ton of bricks. I don't see it. The guy, the guy is who he is. He's not going to be Tom Brady, but right. he's certainly serviceable. Uh, you gotta, you got to coach, and you're, you're right. You're one of the few people that didn't fall in love with this guy. Oh, God. You know, the disciplinarian approach is all well and good, but you have to have a resume for that kind of thing. You got, um, you know, 25-year-old uh, millennials or wherever they are running laps and whatnot. That's going to take its tone if you continue to lose and you continue to play subpar football. Those <laughs> Running those laps will be... Uh, a source of embarrassment pretty soon, and they won't they won't care to do that any longer, you know? I mean, what is this Walter Mofile? First base, second base, third base, home, around that football <laughs> field. We will roam. I mean, you know, oh, my God. <laughs> right, remember the King well, Cole know, you're, Polanski you're shift? And back to the Giants, you know, the Tucker Fredrickson, uh, Norm Sneed Giants. They right. were, Ron they Johnson. were uh, perennial in, in the doldrums, but they... I'll tell you, this team could be decent if they had a defensive scheme, and you're so right about that also. Oh, my God. I mean, it's ridiculous. They had four guys, and I'm like, you know, it was bad enough that Gettleman tra <laughs> traded a third-round pick for Leonard Williams, who was going to be a free agent at the end of the year, who had like five sacks in five years for the Jets. You know, I mean, it's just I mean, where's the sense of this? It's like this guy makes no sense. He takes a running back for the second pick. You know, they should have gotten Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame, who's a fantastic uh, guard, you know, plays for Indianapolis. It, it just it, the guy makes no sense, and he's an old-fashioned guy. It's like get rid of this guy, and it's John Mayer who hired him. Meanwhile, Matt Rule is two and zero with Sam Darnold. By the way, he threw for three hundred yards yesterday. In case Jet fans want to know this, shows yeah. you how great Coach Adam Gaze really is. And where is Adam Gaze now? He's like a you know hanging out with the uh, you know uh, what you're calling a desert island with Gilligan and the skipper. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's it blows my mind just how how bad the clock management is, the discipline, lack of discipline, Nate Solder again, jumping off sides. I mean, you can't make it up. 11 penalties. And, you know, Garrett, like I said, he, he coached a pretty good game, called a pretty good game, and everybody was getting on him. And I get on him all the time, but everybody's getting on him. Why didn't they throw the ball? Why are they being conservative? You want to be conservative. You want to run the football. The reason the Giants lost the game is they can't run the ball. That's they can't. If they could run the ball, they would have won the game the other night. But Barkley has to be better than 13 carries for 52 yards. And he ran off a yeah, 40 well, He's dreadfully inconsistent. He actually surprises me with his inconsistency. I didn't expect that from him. The officials were calling the game close to the vest. And once they call the game like that, you got to be aware that you got to those little ticky-tack uh, things are going to be called. You know, the offsides notwithstanding, that's so blatant that, you know, you, the guy just jumping offsides is ridiculous. Doing it twice is even more ridiculous. I'll throw a point at you, Robbie. Yeah, go I love your, your take on this. Giant Stadium, old Giant Stadium used to have 
great, great vibe, a, a fantastic place yeah, to watch a football game. Wins. They they put a stadium there, Robbie, that has no no aura, no personality. If a stadium could have personality, this one certainly has none. It's it's an absolute drab place to watch a football game. <laughs> they had a distinct advantage in their in their house, so to speak, in the old days. They don't have that anymore. Yeah, it was like, I remember the swirling winds. I could think of, like, Pat Summer, old John Madden from Giant Stadium, you know, the swirling winds, and, you know, Madden going, you know, this guy's really good, you know, they boom, you know, and he's, like, going off and stuff. Or I, remember, I can remember, actually, like, years ago when the Giants really stunk, and Pat Summer would say, a sold-out crowd at Giant Stadium to see the 1-12 in New York Giants against the 1-13 in yeah. Philadelphia Eagles. You know, it was, like, yeah. really bad teams back then. But, yeah, but the thing about the bad teams, when the Giants were bad, say, let's say, Circa 77, 78, 79. They always had a good defense, whether it was, you know, Jack Gregory or John Mendenhall or the late Brad Van Pelt or Brian Kelly. They had a pretty good defense. They stayed in games. Now, if this defense could be any good, they, they often scored 40 points. They get they get a touchdown that Daniel Jones runs all the way for like 45 yards in the end zone on a holding call by C.J. Board as a receiver. I mean, they just kicked themselves in the foot. And the other team that does that, too, is my other team, the San Diego Chargers, who are the West Coast version of the New York Giants. Find every way to lose. A snake bitten franchise. Well, you moved to LA, you're in more snake bitten now. But uh, yeah, it was interesting to see, uh, you know, the comments um, by some of the coaches this weekend. And, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers finally got off the schneid last night, and I didn't want to hear his press conference because I just wish he would shut up and just play already. So there were some interesting games, and the Pats look good. You know, Ralph, here's a guy, and Mac Jones, who I love. I mean, I'm a Bama fan since I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. Efficient, smart, you know, just. Managing the game so that they can win, run the football, and you know, you know the Patriots don't have an explosive offense. This is not Tom Brady. This is a rookie who plays for a great college program. All right, the best in the country. Managed the game, didn't throw an interception, hasn't thrown one all all year, and it's been terrific. He only threw for like what 180 something yards, but he was efficient enough that he didn't turn the ball over. Wilson turned the ball over four times, and that's the Jets for you. You know, the Jets are. Boy, I'll tell you, Joe Douglas is on the hot seat this year. If he doesn't get stuff done, because this is his third year, basically, I believe, as general manager. And now you look at what's going on and you say to yourself, well, maybe some of these picks and some of these, uh, you know, acquisitions are not exactly going to pan out for for uh, for Joe Douglas. But we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, this is all about the the Jets. On the other hand, you got to you got a team that can only go upwards. I mean, you got you got a team floundering for so many years over there. You know, I remember back in the glory days, which was very brief, you know, 50-some-odd years ago, uh, that team had a great, great vibe, a great, great feeling. But if they ever broke through and they all, they turned it around and have a couple of winning seasons, you can see something happening there. Because I'll tell you, the fan base of the New York Jets are very loyal. Bunch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. These guys, these guys have been suffering greatly for years, but yet they're still waiting. <laughs> and they're still with with that team no matter what. So, you know, they got to do right by the uh, the green and white by these fans that are so rabid. They got to do the right thing and get that get that thing going turned around a little bit. If you had good football on both sides of the uh, the city, there you'd have a great a great vibe in New York. I mean, do you know the last five years between the Jets and the Giants in the first two weeks they've won one game. That's it, one game. Yeah. Isn't that? <laughs> Uh, bring that's on the New York Rangers. It's almost hockey season, folks. <laughs> like, oh, well, that, that's the, see, that's the sport that I used to enjoy so much, it's my Robbie. Favorite. I don't want to change your subject. No, it's fine. It's my favorite. Man, 
the days when you can see the players' faces. Yep. The days, you know, you can identify with the Ron, Ron Duguay with the hair. Yep. And, of course, going back even further with, uh, you know, Gilbert sure. and these great characters. Now they look like automatons out there skating around. But I still love that sport. Oh, I can still favorite. I can still understand that. But here's the thing about the, the NHL, and I'll throw this one at you, too, because these are just, just, I don't know, observations of mine about these sports. The rink, these guys are so huge in the, in the NHL. They used to be, you know, relatively smaller. Uh, the rink is so small for guys this big. They have to do something really out of the box and increase the size of the hockey rink in order to compensate for these large bodies. Did you ever think about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned that because Zidane Chara just signed with the Islanders. He's 44 year, years old, and that's where he got his start. But, yeah, and the also thing is you can't even pronounce half the names of these guys anymore. That's you know? true. And I remember when I was a kid, right, the only two guys I remember wearing helmets when I was a kid, one was Bobby Rousseau, who played for the Rangers, and right. Stan Makita. And those are the only guys that I remember wearing helmets. There was a few other guys, but I specifically remember those. Oh, and Walter Kachuk wore a helmet. Uh, for a long time, too, yeah, as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, later on, though. In the early part yeah. of his career, Tachuk had, had no helmet. No, he had no helmet, but later on he did. And, and, you know, the last helmetless player was actually the guy who took the last uh, face-off for the Rangers when they won the cup, but Craig McTavish, he was the last guy. Yep. He was like the grandfather yep. Yep. clause. But, you know, I, I think they should wear helmets. I, my problem is the face mask in college, because and now they wear them a lot in the NHL, and the thing is they wear a full face mask in college, so it's very irresponsible a lot of times. You can flick your stick and stuff. When they come into the NHL, these guys get really careless with their sticks. But the well, You know something, favorite. Robbie? I'm not yeah. saying they shouldn't. And if my kid was a hockey player, I'd make sure he had a helmet secure on his head. But I'm just saying, I just I remember those. I remember Jockerman, Eddie Jockerman with no mask. Right, I, remember, right. I remember the only guy with a mask was uh, Jock Punt. And then uh, Jerry Cheevers came on with this uh, white mask with the with the scars all over it. Right, every time he Those got were hit. the first masks I ever remember seeing. Yeah, actually, the first mask that ever was was by Hall of Famer Clint Benedict back in the, in the 1920s. Really? Okay. Yeah, and it was it was a weird mask. If you look it up, it's like the mask is so weird. It's like it doesn't go around his whole face. It just really covered his nose and his eyes. It looked like something like <laughs> looked like a paper mache thing he made in art class when he was 15. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous looking, you know. <laughs> But yeah, Plot, well, who, who do we just lose? Who do we just lose again? I think, oh, Gilbert yeah, passed away. Oh, didn't he, he was my hero, man. The first jersey I ever wore was a number seven when I was a kid. Yeah, and, and Eddie too was also my hero. I mean, the Rangers are my favorite team. If you opened up my chest, you'd see a Ranger logo on there. Because hockey players are so different, Ralph. They're more personable. They come from small towns. They work their rear ends off to get. They take long 12, 13 hour bus rides, and you know, driving all over West, you know, Eastern Canada, Western yep. Canada, the United States. And um, they're they're always willing to give you an autograph. Most 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 of them are, you know. But one of the nicest things I had is that when I was living in Westchester, the Rangers would go to White Plains Airport, to Westchester County Airport, and they'd land, and they'd go to the mug and rise. So I'd see all the guys, and I used to watch games with the injured players with Mark Hardy and stuff. And they, they always used to call me Howie all the time because I squinted my eyes. And back then, my hair was pretty damn curly, so I did Howie Mandel uh, sub reference or reference there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, but they they're just more personal guys because they're just. Uh, you know, the fans attract themselves more to the hockey players because they're just much more open-minded. They'll sign. They won't charge you for autographs and all this nonsense and garbage that they do today. So, uh, so yeah, but I love hockey because it's fast. It's, you know, it's physical. It's skillful. I loved playing goalie. I was a goalie when I was a kid. I loved it. I miss it so much. It was so much fun just to stop pucks, you know, because I was the only so, shot. Right, you bring up a good point. Yeah, the modern-day athlete is unapproachable. 
Yes. Can you imagine the Brooklyn Dodgers riding the subway trains right. as they go to Ebbets Field or they uh, – or they work in a in a clothing store in the off season right. for for an extra paycheck. I mean, those yeah. days are long gone. But man, the hockey players still maintain some of that personal touch. I'm with you on that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just much more personal. And uh, a lot of the guys lived right near my neighborhood. In fact, uh, my, the guy who sat for my uh, my brother when he was little was Nikki Fatiu's babysitter too. So she'd come over and ask her how Nikki's doing. All these guys. And I remember we had Nikki's nights up in the up in the blue section years ago. He sat in the blue section. The blue seaters are still yelling "pot band sucks" to this day. You still hear it, man. I remember when Adam Graves got his number retired and they started saying it. And, and Adam and Sam Rosa were just cracking up and stuff. But uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to the season. The preseason starts uh, September 26th against the Islanders on their new in their new building. Thank God, no more Nassau Coliseum. Well, Nassau Coliseum did have a lot of character though, and that team won there constantly. I mean, I had to suffer through high school as a Ranger fan watching the Islanders win every year and watching my friends jump on the bandwagon, you know, to this day. And uh, yeah, but was... I'm, I'm the guy who brings back the past, so I'll throw another one at you. Yeah. Just because I enjoyed I enjoyed sports so much years ago. Almost to the point where I, I could never top that feeling ever again. If I were to get into it Agreed. as much as you are right now, it still would not equal how I used to feel about these teams back in the 70s and I guess part of the 80s. It doesn't but, um, much for me. Right? The, the hockey situation, it was such a great one. Uh, I actually sat about four rows back, the plexiglass in front of me, Right behind the Rangers bench, I want I want to ask you. Yep. In 1972, yep. my father and I and a friend, we we went and we saw the Rangers and the Bruins. Derek Sanderson, the whole the whole works there, right? Who would you? How much do you think I paid for those tickets? My father did anyway. How, how much which would you say he dropped what, what for each ticket? What section were you sitting? The blue sec blue section or we're sitting we're sitting. I don't even know if they were even. Uh, I don't even know if they had that kind of sectioning back then. The as far as we, we were right down there by the by the ice, about four rows back. Ten how bucks. much do you think my dad paid for that seat? Ten bucks. How, how about six fifty? Wow! At Madison Square Garden, around about nineteen seventy one or so. Amazing. That's how. And also, we used to sit near courtside in Madison Square Garden and watch Clyde and yep. Earl Monroe. Dean, about the same price. Dean the Dream, yeah, absolutely. I know. Well, I used to go sit in the blue section for I think it was, I think it was seven fifty for a seat in the blue section. Yeah, and they've they've actually re- redone a nice job on the garden, redoing it a few years ago, so the sight lines are better. You can actually see people in the corner when they're actually battling in the corner. You can actually see them. Because yep. I remember I'd go with my parents. We'd go to the Carnegie Deli, you know, deli before that and get you know a really good roast beef sandwich or you know a real good turkey sandwich or pastrami. Oh yeah. And then we'd head over to the garden. And yeah, so you can get four seats for you know relatively decent price. But I think I mean Susan and I went a few years ago, and uh, you know it was it's ridiculous for tickets now. It's hundreds of dollars. It's insane. You have to mortgage your house in order to go to the hockey game. And well, see. well they're, they're, you know, of course they priced out the normal uh, the normal guy years ago. I mean that's not even anything new anymore. I mean these you know those those tickets have been unaffordable for years on end. I'm talking about basketball and hockey. Oh, yeah. They're doing the same thing, Robbie, to a base to baseball games in this in this area in particular because you can probably go see a Cincinnati Red game for a reasonable price, a KC Royals game for a reasonable price, but if you want to go see the Yankees or the Mets, you got to pay through the nose. It's just horrendous. It's amazing. Speaking of the Kansas City Royals, right? 
<laughs> the Indians scored 22 runs on the Yankees the other day, right? In in two games, yep. right? The subpar 500 team. So what does Kansas City do? They go into Cleveland yesterday and they win both ends of a doubleheader. And quietly, Salvador Perez has been unbelievable. He's got like 44 home runs and like over 110 runs batted and some catching yep. for the Kansas City Royals. I'm like saying to myself, get out of Kansas City for crying out loud. He's the major yep, yep, attraction yep. of the of the fans in Kansas City. So, but I wanted to chat a little baseball with you because last night the Yankees won four to three. But man, if anybody thinks that this team, that I feel that this team is going to go up to Boston, win three, and then go to Toronto and come home for Tampa and make the playoffs, I don't know, Ralph. I just not going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think they stink. They're, they're going to just eat. They're going to get the, just miss it by the skin of their teeth. I, I can see it coming. And you're going to have a major disappointment in the Bronx because that team is supposed to do damage this year. They're so stupidly built, Ralph. If you look at statistical categories with this team, I mean, they are like at the bottom of it, like, you know, on-base percentage and runners in scoring position. They ground into double plays. They, you know, they don't hit for good averages. You know what, Ralph, what really bugs me? This is the worst thing for me about baseball now. This is the worst. I am so sick of watching guys come up batting 220, 215, 230. One guy was batting 164 last night. Thank you, analytics. And I, I want to talk to the computer. Is the computer available? Can I have an interview with yeah. the computer? Because he put the lineup last night. Like, here's where it makes no sense. Like, Brett Gardner was hitting 330 in the month of September, and the Yankees are batting him eighth. And he's the only guy with any speed on the team. How does that make sense? Can I can I ask the analytics department how that makes sense, please? Somebody explain this to me. It's, it's absolutely it's re, it's ridiculous. You know, you know, uh, Gene Mock used to say this: "Go with the hot hand, no matter what." Earl what? Weaver said the three-run homer was his best friend. He go with the hot hand, no matter what. And you know, you know, you got to go. You know, the percentages. You know, it has its place. You know, for me to sit here and tell you it has no place in baseball, I'd be stupid saying that. But the eye test and the feel that the manager has, the instinct, you know, if you will, it, that should take precedent over all these stats, these computer stats that should be just another tool in, in, doing, in managing a game. Absolutely. It's just completely ridiculous. I, it makes no sense to me whatsoever, and that's why I always say it's just – it, it, the analytics, I understand, it used to be called advanced scouting for many, many years, and it's still basically what it is. But now it's become ridiculous where the manager has, like, no autonomy whatsoever, where he's got a printed computer sheet where the general manager's yep. interfering. I mean, I can't imagine, like, you know, Vince Lombardi getting a phone call from the general manager of the Green Bay oh. Packers saying, hey, Vince, you know, you ought to do how this how the hell of a sweep. How much cloud do you think Boone really has? I don't think he has enough because these guys were running. I mean, they were playing Velasquez and they were playing Tyler Wade, and suddenly the Yankees were winning 13 in a row because they're incorporating speed and defense into the into the line. Like, defense doesn't seem to mean anything now in baseball. Oh, we have your best offensive guys. I mean, they finally, finally moved Glaber Torres after 27 errors. Uh, and he's still not that great at second base. I mean, it's just they have more questions. Well, you know what I heard? Uh, I heard the commissioner's finally getting the uh... – the notice that that he's got to change his game because you can't have a home run walk or strikeout and continue to pack these ballparks. So they're actually going to go in the other direction. They're going to deaden the ball even further. <laughs> they're going to um, have some advantages for you know hitting the other way, and they're going to do away with the shifts. I heard it's all coming. Let's see if they follow through. Yeah, I hope so, too, because I'll tell you honestly, I told you the shift is the worst thing that ever happened to baseball. Low averages. How, how bad does that look optic-wise? Oh, it's aesthetically when you, watch, when you watch a ball game, you see these guys loaded on one, on the right, usually on the right side of the infield, 
It looks so stupid. It doesn't look like baseball. It does, and aesthetically, it's garbage. And and what really makes me even more mad is the fact that these idiots just don't like. But remember butcher boying? Did you ever do that, Ralph, when you were a kid? Butcher boying the ball? Do you remember of course. That? Of course. Why can't they just butcher boy the ball off the left side? They look ridiculous. Like my last father night. used to scream at me once, like from way out there when I was up at bat. I'd hear his whistle. Right. <laughs> Why I'd is that old Italian father's whistle? whistle. This big, loud whistle that only he could do, right? And I would step out of the box, I'd look at him, and he'd do this thing with his hands, meaning choke up on the bat a little bit and try to go up the middle a little bit instead of pulling everything. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. And more than likely, I got a base hit. You know, that you just need that little reminder. But they don't play. You see, Robbie, you're talking about guys in the big leagues. They've never played that way. Even through Little League, they don't play that right, way anymore. Right, right. Yeah, so then you, know, you get them in a uh, big league uniform, you think you're going to change them. Uh, at that point, it's an exercise in futility. Why is it Italian fathers always can whistle? <laughs> My father used My, to think, I always wanted to do that. So, you know, you put your fingers in your mouth and that big loud whistle I can do, comes th- out. I can do that. I'm not going to do it on I could never. Mic. I could never do that. I was talking about that just the other day. I could never, I could never do that. My father, was, <laughs> it was so distinct. I'd step out. I'd step out and turn, and you'd, get, oh, and, he, and you'd see him motion something. Or if I, if I lifted my head at shortstop, I didn't look the ball into the glove or something, I lifted up a little bit, I, I'd hear him whistle right after the play I didn't make. <laughs> he'd whistle at me. I know my friend's dad used to whistle. We played our, our football on our front lawn, and they lived up in the street. You could hear his whistle for like this. Like, well, I can, <laughs> well hey, hey, I can go three for four with a couple of home runs and a double. He'd say, what happened that other time at bat there? Oh, jeez. <laughs> he, he never gave me any credit, but only to other people he would praise me, but never to me. He always said that I would get a big head. He didn't want to give me oh, a big geez. head. That that was the feeling that, that parents had back in those days. Ralph Romeo joining us on 89.7 WTBR-FM right here on a Tuesday. Hey, man, if you want to stick around, i got to get a break, but... Uh, but uh... Just uh, gonna get to. It's up to you. I'll stick around if you want me to. Yeah, no problem. We'd love to have you stick around. Okay, we'll be right back and uh, have more Ralph right here on WTBR Sports Talk. Hi, welcome to the future. The future begins in ten, nine, eight, eight. Oh wait a minute. Eight again? Eight, dude. What the? Who is this guy? Three, two, one. WTBR. Hi, this is Sean Sayre, Executive Director of PCTV. When Taconic High School was demolished, we could have lost this radio station. Instead, PCTV stepped in, built a new studio and transmitter, and gave the station new life. And now it's time to pay that back. Support this station today. Go to WTBRFM.com and click the Donate button. You won't be sorry. Pittsfield Community Radio thanks you for your support. Hey, this is Mike Pezzo. Remember those tunes your parents told you to turn down? Better yet, remember those tunes your grandparents told your parents to turn down? Well, on Mike's Amazing Music and Oldies show, you'll hear sometimes oldies, sometimes blues, sometimes local performers, and a lot of rock. On Pritchard County's only rock station, 89.7 WTBR-FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, Thursdays at noon. Tune in and be entertained and educated. Hey, this is Chief Wynn with the Pittsfield Police Department and Lieutenant Gary Traversa. Hey, Gary. Hey, Chief. 
We just want to remind all of our listeners and viewers to tune in every Friday for On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, and also on Pittsfield Community Television. Right, Gary? Don't miss Friday mornings, 9 a.m. on WTBR FM. All the happenings at the Pittsfield Police Department. On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. Larry Krepke here from Nothing But Old 45s inviting you to check out my brand new show here on WTBR called Sweet Country Music. Some of the best country music I've ever recorded like Dolly Parton, Alan Jackson, Patsy Cline, and a lot more. Plus, every show contains a comedy segment that'll put a smile on your face. Sweet Country Music, 11 a.m. Sunday mornings here on 89.7 WTBR-FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. Sweet Country Music. Oh, yes! Oh, yes! 89.7 WTBR-FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. Welcome back to WTBR Sports Talk right here at 89.7 WTBR-FM in Pittsfield. Robbie Zucker going solo today, joined by my amazing friend down at New York City, actually by way of New Jersey right now, Ralph Rand. And uh, Ralph is, of, of course, at uh, WPAT every week doing his show. So, uh, Ralph, so how's the show going, all right? You got you to gotta send me a link. So, I'm always, I haven't been no, feeling you that don't, great. Uh, no, I'd be glad to. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, yeah, it's going, it's going great. I certainly have a lot to talk about. There's so many things going on that have so much. How about you know if you want to stray for just one yeah, second? How about brother, that? Yeah. How about that poor? How about that poor girl? They found her remains, and I this guy's on the run. Uh, Petito, uh, Gabby Petito, yeah, it's horrendous. And Terrible. you know, I find it ghoulish the way people are attracted to this because they they're watching from afar, and yet this woman is obviously murdered or something horrid happened to her and they're talking about it like they're watching some sort of sporting event and it's really uh, very callous the way we are today with these events that happen throughout the country and it, it kind of grabs hold you know certain times when you see a very attractive young woman as this gabby petito she's the one that america will focus on because i don't know they're attracted to believe it or not even in this case attractive people with terrible things happening to them, will be more attractive to the national scene than someone that's, you know, of a lesser, I don't know, a lesser status or uh, poverty-stricken, whatever the case is. It's a weird thing how we, we, you know, because these things must happen all the time or not, or very frequently. But this case in particular got the nation's eye for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I was. I never knew anything about it until I saw it on the news. But it's interesting when I was doing uh, the show talk radio and I played Barry Champlain, you know, Bogosian's play. I mean, he used to say our lives have become our own entertainment. So in other words, like all these things that are tragic things are happening. It's like become entertainment for people. It's almost like ridiculous, you know, and stuff. But yeah, that's terrible. Well, everybody's story. sitting home more than anything else these days. You know, we're still not back from COVID, whether we think we are. Or not, we're still not really back. And no. they're sitting home as spectators, more time in front of the computer, more time on the TV, and they're just watching all this stuff. Yeah, like I said, it's become like people's entertainment, which is like even like nine eleven, like 
you know, I watch some stuff and I'm like, well, why am I watching this? This is just like flashing back. It's morbid. Yeah, it's like we're so we're so uh, obsessed with things. We have to relive them all the time and relive them all the time. And it's just well, do you know that painful. more people died um, in the remnants of 9/11 more so than the actual day? In other words, 3,000 lives were lost 20 years ago. I would say about 4,500 have been lost uh, with you know residual effects of that day. How about that? That's yeah, right from all right from all the from all the problems with breathing and all that other stuff. Yeah, especially a lot of the firemen that survived it. Yeah, I, I know. I've heard so many. And stories. they gathered together, Robbie. And uh, I went. I went. I was near the ceremony the day before when they were gathering and setting things up because my studio is right down there right right and they go there and some families have kind of bowed out of this because it's become too much emotionally for them to handle of course. where they read these names and they recount what happened that day and it's very it's devastating for most find it therapeutic but some find it too much to handle i i had a friend who um lost her husband and she bowed out about, you know, 15 years ago. She tried to go through with it at, at the time, just going down there paying homage to her dead husband. But she just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, some people just, you know, they need to be together and they need that um, comfort of the collective consciousness again, getting people together. But, yeah, I can understand that because, um, you know, some people just don't want to deal with it. That's just, you know, some people handle things a certain way. Some people handle death a certain way. Some people handle it other ways. Some people need the comfort around other people. Some choose to be by themselves. So, yeah, I, I totally understand. But I can see why after a while people would get tired of it and it would just become, you know, a flashback or that is just so hard for some people just to, you know, comprehend what what happened on that day and to this day I and, I, and I have opinion yeah. about piazza's home run oh, yeah, back yeah, in those yeah, days yeah, yeah. you know that that come you know it was supposed to be a light at the end of the tunnel so on and so forth i saw it very um what's the word i'm it, it wasn't i don't know where we have our priorities skewed when we feel that a sporting event can somehow compensate for all those dead poor dead souls lost in that tragic episode you know Piazza hit the home run. It was wonderful. We felt a little resilience. <clears throat> All of that is well and good, but they make far too much. In other words, they create a hero right. from a guy that played uh, a baseball game, and they correlate it to a tragedy like 9-11. I could never really – I always thought that was a slap in the face in a certain way. Yeah, That's it, is, it is. It's kind of it's kind of amateurish when you think about it because it's, it's, you know, it's a baseball game as compared to somebody's life. No, I definitely understand that. So. But uh, yeah, I was gonna say back to uh, turning back to baseball. So you got three yeah. teams. Well, you got three teams now. Actually, four. You got the Yankees, the Red Sox, Toronto, who's been just smashing the lights out of. Well, they lost last night to Tampa. Imagine Tampa. What do they have? A seventy million dollar budget, and they're gonna win probably a hundred games. Yeah. It's amazing. And uh, and then the Yankees and Oakland's now like one and a half games out. Oakland played last night, so it's like four teams. I'm thinking to myself, who's gonna get in? You know, Boston's pitching has been lousy. The, the Yankees are up and down. You never know what's going on with them. Uh, Toronto, you know, is playing pretty well. And then, you know, you have Oakland. So it's like, I can't figure out. But I just can't see the Yankees making the – I can't see the Yankees going up to Fenway and taking two out of three from the Red Sox, going to Toronto where they never win and taking anything but, you know, maybe one game from Toronto. And then they come home against Tampa. And Tampa, they've actually had a winning record against. But, you know, Tampa always seems to have their number at the end of the season. So I don't really know. Like, I can't figure this team out. I mean, they're so inconsistent. The lineup is so poorly put together. And, like, last night, Gary Sanchez – I mean, you think Boone would be – 
be smart enough after Sanchez, you know, lets the ball go past him the other night? Yep. You think he put Agashioka in the game for defense at the end of the game? So his excuse was, well, you know, if he gets hurt and so forth, then, uh, you know, actually, I think this was Michael Cave said this on his show the other day. Said, well, if Higashioka gets hurt, then they have Ruge Ordor as a backup catcher, the emergency catcher. It's the ninth inning for crying out loud. It's not like, you know, I mean, well, how's he going to get hurt? I mean, the possibilities of him catching the ninth inning and getting hurt is like a million to one, you know, so well, they, had, they had to cut ties. To me, they had to cut ties with the, that guy a long time ago. Just because, forget his attitude, which is poor. We see how he, he doesn't hustle. Right, he you see English. what he does. His shenanigans are ridiculous, you know. But the thing is, is that, you know, people want him to be something he's just not. He, he has a rifle for an arm. You know, he definitely control runners out, but that's all he can do behind the plate. That position has to be so solid defensively that you, you don't have to think about the fact that this guy can't block balls in the dirt. This guy may have a passed ball in the worst circumstance. You can't think that way and win ball game. He did. They lost the game. He, <laughs> they threw a ball with two outs and two uh, two outs and two strikes, and the game was right there to be taken. One strike they needed to win the game. And Clay Holmes is pitching, and he let the ball go right past him off his glove. They tied the game, and then Baltimore won it uh, in extra innings. Could you imagine now? The Baltimore Orioles, I think, have lost, what, 102 games or 101 games this season, right? I think it was 102 now after last night. The Yankees have lost eight games to them this season. Their record's 11-8. If they lose and don't make the playoffs, they can look back at all the walk-off losses. How about nine walk-off losses this year and eight losses to the Orioles? If that's not putrid, if that shouldn't cost Boone and even Cashman his job, I mean, come on, man. This is a $207 million payroll. In a nutshell, Robbie, what do you think is wrong? Forget about all the things that are so blatant. Right. What what does this team lack? There's some kind of it factor that this team lacks. Is it because they're so buttoned up? Are they they have no emotion as people say? What what do you think's going on there? Well, first of all, I think when you have a team that has had as many injuries as the Yankees have, you never have clearly that right lineup on the field. But I'll say this. I still think, and if you look at the last 10 years of World Series winners, you have to have some element of speed at the top of the line. You have to have table setters. You can't have a lineup that's just feast or famine. Secondly, you look at the years that guys are having. DJ LeMayu, after signing a $90 million contract, has been pathetic. He has a 710 OPS. He's batting 271, which I think is like a high watermark. I don't think the guy's gotten over 280 all year. He's got 10 home runs. He's been a disaster. And he's not a leadoff hitter. I had an argument with Michael Kay the other day. Michael Kay says, he was a leadoff hitter. He hit 230. I mean, 330. He drove in all his runs. A leadoff hitter is supposed to be a guy that can at least run first to third and at least gives you some excitement. They just don't. They lack uh, chemistry. They're not a good situational hitting team. They don't make contact with consistency. They don't take the ball the opposite way. It's almost like watching nine guys come up that have no idea what's going on in front of them and no idea what's going on behind them. Like you think, God forbid, somebody just bunt the ball, or God forbid anybody should bunt, right? Or just put your boy the ball up the line when you have the big boys behind you and you're down in a ball game. There's no thought process to it. Well, that, you know, that's why Tampa wins the way they win because they play somewhat old fashioned baseball. Somewhat. You yeah. know, you, you're you know, still not getting the gas house gang there, but <laughs> somewhat old old fashioned <laughs> baseball. Nobody comes any scrappier than Ducky Medwick or Pepper Martin. Necessarily pitch in Florida, That's but right, you're right. still you're still getting but but you know, I'll tell you, those kind of teams drive me insane. That you know, across town with the Mets, yeah. they don't know who they are, they have no identity, they got guys swinging for 
defenses who are really uh, singles hitters. There are a few guys there on that team for a minute that just lost their their way completely. You, they're they're completely different ball ball players. Smith and uh, Conforto um, too. Conf- Conforto. Yeah, yeah. Conf- well, see now, Conforto. McNeil, McNeil, big... McNeil as well. McNeil, McNeil. Yep, yep. McNeil, McNeil was hitting. This guy was hitting three thirty. Yeah. This guy was. Uh, you know, he was a short base hit. Right. I used to stop. I used to stop whatever I was doing to watch his at bats. No more. I know it's amazing. Like he had sort of that, oh, kind of a Rod Carew sort of approach to the plate, hitting, and slapping the ball. Approach. Yeah, great approach. That's the problem. Like a Conforto, the guy's hitting like two twenty. And guess oh, by the way, guess who Conforto's agent is? <laughs> yeah, of course, Boris. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. I mean, but I mean Boris is going to try to get this guy all this money. Forget it. If I'm if I'm the Mets, forget it. I'm not resigning him. And it's amazing too. The Yankees stink up the middle, and the Mets instead of going on trying to get JT Riamuto from Philly, yeah. they go and give James McCann ten million dollars a year, who's not that good. I mean, it's like and Steve Cohen. This guy's worth billions. Here's a guy who's a hedge fund. Yeah, you understand all the all the old axioms from baseball is gone. They're gone. You understand? They don't think about building up the middle anymore. They don't think about a, a strong uh, center fielder, shortstop, second base catcher. They don't think that way anymore. This is old-fashioned thinking. They're, that's why they don't do what they you would assume they would do. It makes the game so unentertaining. Isn't the game – is this really what the fans want? Do the fans really want the shifting and the ridiculous rules like the seven-inning doubleheader, the ridiculous phantom runner, the three-batter rule, which is just ridiculous. Like, let's hey, leave the guy I always say this yeah. about the I always say this about the shift, Robbie. Yep. Uh, in, in basketball, I've heard you say this too. If you had a seven-footer stand in the middle right. of the lane and clog the whole thing up, You'd have to make a rule, of course. When Will Chamberlain came into play, you had to make a rule. George Mikan came into play. (laughs) You had to make a rule to get that guy out of there. The same is to be said with the shift. you you got to change it. It makes it so entertaining. It's like, yeah, it's like, put it in the basket, Chief. Put it in the basket. Like, you know, <laughs> like standing there, all you got to do is grab the ball. Boom, every time. Boom, every time. My mother used to say, why don't they just make the baskets higher? They don't need to make the baskets higher. And <laughs> now they shoot the ball further away. It's like, everybody for three. It's like, let's. I don't care. Let's not pass the ball. Let's chuck the ball for three. Why not? Well, who, who wants to be a coach in the NBA? Who wants to be a coach? Oh, the, the, NBA, the NBA, the the inmates run the asylum. Those coaches are just figureheads. You know that. Absolutely, except for a guy like Tom Thibodeau who still wants control and at least teaches right. and preaches defense. I think the Knicks are going to be better this year because they signed a couple guys who can't shoot from the outside. But imagine that. You know, the Yankees don't make the playoffs. The Mets stink. The Jets stink. The Giants stink. And now i got to rely on the Rangers and the Knicks. Now the Knicks are the biggest thing in town now. Who Whoever <laughs> thought the Knicks would be the team that actually Probably, was like the winning record? You know what happens record? over at the Garden, Robbie? You know what happens each and every year? Whether they win 20 games or, or 50 games, they're there no matter what. They, they sold out those seats a long time ago. They don't have to be good. No, nah, long, as long as Dolan's making money, you know. And, but the thing, the thing about the Rangers, they're diehard fans. The Rangers always come with it. They stink. I mean, I remember teams as a kid in the 70s, and the Ranger fans sold it out all the time. The Rangers fans are the oh, most yeah. loyal. And the Giant fans, too, are the most loyal fans in New York, hands down. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know about that state about the yeah. Giants for, just for a second. Yeah, all those loyal guys, those guys that held those season tickets for years and years, generations, yep. right? Yeah, you had you had as soon as they made that change in that ballpark, and in that stadium, and as soon as they started with that, what is that? That pricing that they 
you pay for your seat. You know, yeah, I can't remember a, yeah, the it's exact. A PA, whatever it's a PA. As soon as they yeah. started, when they started with that and made it absolute, they made a fool out of some of these old time fans. Yep. You saw a lot of these people pick up and go and sell those tickets to these corporate types. Right, and John Maris, he's more concerned with putting fannies in the seat than actually hiring people who can run an organization. That's what I'm saying. It's like I've never seen a, an organization go from one of the best in professional sports to the bottom of the barrel. They are now the laughingstock of the NFL. And by, by the way, they are not the Cleveland Browns anymore. They are not yep. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers anymore. They're worse. The last five years, they have the worst record in football, worse than the Jets, Worse than the Bengals, worse than the Browns. I mean, it's just absolutely pathetic. And, and, and I'm telling you, like before, they have a very good quarterback. I, th- I like this kid. I, I like him a lot. I think he's very good. But, but that's really, when I look at this team up and down, that's their bright spot. And he's not the greatest. You know, he's not, he's not definitely not uh, anything fabulous, Hall of Fame material, but he can win your football games. Yeah, you got a defense. You got to build around him a little bit. Well, they did. They signed Kenny Galladay, who was invisible. And this is what Kenny Galladay screaming at Daniel Jones on the sideline during the game. Hey, Kenny, how about catching a football? How about going down the yep, field? Yep. How about Slayton catching a football? They scored 40 points and lost. I mean, yes, I know it was 29 on the scoreboard, but they did score a touchdown that was brought back. So, in, in essence, they scored 40 points. Yep. The kid had a 102 quarterback rating. He had a great game. But yet, you know, they lose because the defense is atrocious and stuff. And it's like, oh, by the way, speaking of the Giants, the baseball Giants, how yep. in the world are the baseball Giants 43 games over 500? Wilmer Flores plays for them. I mean, they got guys like they brought back from the dead off other teams. I mean, they just went and got all these guys this well, you year. Know, some of these, fra- some of these franchises, work? Robbie, yeah. have a mystique about them where they can win. They can win with very little. You know, they, it's funny. You put that same team in New York, they probably bomb. But but out right. there with that with that whole scenario there, they end up winning ball games there. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Hey, Ralph. But, you know, and I like that. I always like that team for some reason. I always like the Giants. You know, I was always a Mets guy. You know that. Oh, but yeah. the teams I actually enjoyed watching were the Giants and usually the Boston Red Sox, the older Boston Red Sox on the, on the other side. I like the Red Sox that lost to the Mets in 1986. I, I like that team a lot. But, uh, you know, so I always had a secondary team to look, at, look into sometimes. Right, right. It was fun. Yeah, my secondary team is the San Diego Chargers, and they stunk it up yesterday. Actually, they played a good game, but they couldn't get in the end zone, which is usually the case with field goals and everything. I mean, that's a snake-bitten franchise. They really are. I mean, I I started watching them when they went at Coriel, you know, and that was a fun team and stuff. So, anyway, man, thanks for the time. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. Say hi to Cindy and your mom. I hope everybody's well and stuff. Have a good show this week. Oh, yeah, for sure. And listen, I have to say this and be self-serving for a minute. Go ahead. I'd love love anybody that's um, interested in in such matters to tune in uh, tonight at 8 o'clock on WPAT930AM.com because we're going to have a good program. So much to talk about, and I really appreciate the time. I oh enjoyed God, being thanks, with you, Rob. Oh, thanks, buddy, as always, man. Thanks again. I appreciate it so much. And, uh, yeah, have a good week. I'll look forward. I'll, I'll check it out tonight when I'm, I'm, when I'm home. So, All, All right. right, Robbie. I'll, see you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Thank buddy. you. Lots of love, man. All right. Take care. Thanks. The great Ralph Romeo right here on WTBR89. Point seven FM, Robbie Zucker with you. I hope you enjoyed uh, some great conversation there. And uh, next week, hopefully, my partner in crime, Mr. Cronin, will be back at his usual seat across the other side of the glass. Uh, it's 10.58 right now here, 445-4234 here on WTBR Sports Talk. But it's time to wrap things up, so we'll see you next Tuesday. And as always, have a great week. Stay safe, stay well. 
Pittsfield, I love you, and make sure that you tune into WTBR for all their great programming, and please give generously to WTBR 89.7, stop down at the station or go on the website, and we'll see you next week right here on WTBR Sports Talk. See you soon, folks. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you soon.